After I had the surgery, I was still feeling tinges of pain in my heart, probably due to the severe surgery that it was. And I was very alert and aware of every tinge, every pain in my heart. And yet one day the Lord brought to my attention, but Chris, you need to be that alert and that hypervigilant to spiritual things, to your spiritual heart. Welcome to Cedarville Stories, a podcast sharing meaningful stories of people impacted by relationships and experiences at Cedarville University. Cedarville Stories is brought to you by Cedarville University, where student lives are transformed through excellent education and intentional discipleship in submission to biblical authority. Continue listening to hear the rest of today's story. Now here's your host, Mark Weinstein. My guest today on the Cedarville Stories podcast is Dr. Chris DeWitt, professor of psychology at Cedarville University. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. Um, I know from our conversations before that you grew up in Michigan. I did. You attended college in Florida. Actually, you even uh, taught in college in Florida. And now you're teaching at Cedarville University. Mm -hmm. Uh, How did your upbringing shape you personally, though? Sure. I grew up in a family of eight people, so it was a fairly large family, a Christian home. My parents instilled in us um, the importance of integrity, Mm. um, hard work ethic, but also we had a a great time as a family having fun, um, camping together. Um, A couple of other things that my parents taught me, I think sometimes actions are louder than words. They were very altruistic, reaching out to people, helping people. Um, serving others, and then encouraging us in our spiritual growth. Now, I, you talked about camping. I want to get to that in a little bit. But one thing I remember hearing uh, you say in different venues is, correct me if I'm wrong, but after every dinner or every meal that you guys sat together, um, your dad would, would lead in devotions. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? That's very correct. So how is that impacted your life even today because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's, that's so meaningful and, and that should be the norm among Christian families mm-hmm. but probably isn't mm-hmm. and that would be an example where their actions spoke louder than words they were very faithful that we would have family devotions after every meal but even further every morning when I would walk through the kitchen um, my parents were having personal devotions but I don't ever recall them saying Chris you need to be in the word every day so I, I watched it, and I saw their example, um, and I realized how important it was to them. So um, I just followed in their footsteps, obviously, and saw the importance of being in God's Word each day. What a great legacy that mm-hmm. your parents have given mm-hmm. to your heritage to mm-hmm. you, because you're right. Um, actions do speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't have to tell you, do this or don't do this. They, they, modeled, they modeled Christ. They modeled him very well. That's great. So let's, uh, in your opening uh, response, you talked about camping. You like mm-hmm. to camp. I, I also heard you say that, you know, you grew up in a family that had a lot of fun, you know, with with this number of siblings in your household. It had to be a lot of fun, a lot of activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, one example that you mentioned in a recent chapel was camping in all 48 states of the uh, continental United States. Do you recall a favorite memory of those trips? Those trips were wonderful trips. If you can imagine, um, they didn't have family vans back then, um, but um, station wagons. Oh, my goodness. Yes, so eight people in a station wagon. Um, So that in itself, I have lots of memories from being squished in the station wagon. Um, But 
the many trips we took, obviously, so that each child could camp in every state of the continental United States, we saw God's beautiful creation. It was just so beautiful. But I think beyond that, even the little things like laughter in the tent at night, Mm. six kids in a tent just laughing or dinner around a picnic table and the conversation that we had there um, or stories and s'mores around the campfire. Um, Those were great memories that uh, we continue to talk about to this day. Is it a fair assessment? Just, I would, I would assume that because you guys did this so regularly that even today you're close to your siblings. Yes. We're a very tight family. How often, how often do you guys get together? Because I live further than away from them than the rest of my siblings. They all still live in Michigan. They get together more often than I do, but whenever I can travel home, especially on the holidays and other times I do get up there. Do you have a favorite camping experience or a favorite state where you camped? I probably really enjoyed out west, the national parks out west in the Grand Canyon and seeing the vastness of the Grand Canyon so much that I then returned to the Grand Canyon with a bunch of college students and hiked from rim to rim one day. Um, Students beat me out of the canyon, but I can say that I climbed all the way through the canyon from rim to rim. That's impressive. (laughs) How long ago was that? Seven years. That's great. You have Hawaii and Alaska to go. Are you going to camp in those states? Those two states are still on my bucket list, but I'm not sure that I have the desire to camp in those states. Being in a comfy hotel would be just fine with me. (laughs) (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Um, Let's let's shift a little bit into a little more serious conversation, a topic that is um, about five years ago, you experienced a life-threatening situation. What was the situation? The situation was um, one evening I was having severe chest pains. And so I looked on my phone, actually, to see what the symptoms of um, a heart attack were. And when I realized that I was fitting most of those symptoms, I decided I need to go to the ER. And as a result of that visit, they found out that I was having, I had a pericardial effusion, which meant Most people have about a tablespoon of fluid around their heart to keep it pumping smoothly. And I had 16 ounces of fluid around my heart due to a virus is what they found out. So I had to do open heart surgery to remove the fluid quickly because I actually went into what's called cardiac tamponade, which pretty much meant that I could have died right then and there. Three times that happened. So the Lord really spared my life for sure. Was that the first time... You rode in an ambulance by calling 911? Well, I have to say that I didn't call 911. I drove myself to the hospital, but when that hospital couldn't service my needs, then I rode an ambulance to the next hospital. Lesson learned. Yes, I should have called 911. <laughs> that is hilarious. The good thing is um, the Lord uh, spared your life, and he's probably taught you a lot of things from that that experience. What are some lessons mm-hmm. that you've learned because of that experience? Probably the biggest lesson is I'm so grateful that he spared my life, that I want to take advantage of the opportunities he gives me to minister to others and to serve him. Because I'm just very grateful that um, I'm here talking to you and that I do have a life to live and I want to live it for him. Now, when you were experiencing this, that was an evening situation, right? Mm -hmm. So um, tell us a little bit more about you know, how your friend maybe helped you and 
how that mm-hmm. all came about of, you know, getting to the hospital, et cetera. Oh, sure. Um, I had a friend visiting me in Florida from Michigan. And so we had spent the whole day um, walking and doing lots of activities, swimming in the pool, et cetera. The whole day I did not feel well. Um, and I, I mentioned to her that I wasn't feeling well and that perhaps I needed to go to the doctor the next day because I thought I had bronchitis. Um, so around 11 o'clock, it's time for us to go to bed at night. And she went in one room and I went in the other room. And I was reading on the edge of my bed. I was reading my Bible. And when it came time to lie down, that is when I had this severe pain in my chest. So I went to wake up my friend so that she would take me to the hospital. Um, But unbeknownst to me, she took a sleep aid. And so (laughs) she was out of it. I could barely wake her up. So I realized that I needed to drive to the hospital again. I should have called 911. But so I actually drove myself to the hospital because she was not awake enough. And then even funnier yet, when we were in the ER and we were in the room, um, the nurses would walk in and they put warm blankets on her and not on me because they thought she was the patient because she was pretty much out cold because of the sleep aid. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And do you guys talk about that? Oh, yes. We laugh about it often. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. So... um from that situation, how has the Lord strengthened your faith in Him? Mm-hmm. I think it's often through trials that the Lord strengthens our faith. And well, I think if I could answer it this way, one of the biggest lessons the Lord taught me through it was um, after I had the surgery, I was still feeling tinges of pain in my heart, probably due to the severe surgery that it was. And I was very alert and aware of every tinge, every pain in my heart. Um, And yet one day the Lord brought to my attention, but Chris, you need to be that alert and that hypervigilant to spiritual things, to your spiritual heart. And so I think that's where it really hit home to me that I need to be aware of when I'm disappointing the Lord, when I'm sinning, I need to take care of that right away and um, be just as alert even more alert to my spiritual heart, if you will, as I am to my physical heart. It must give you a nice platform, even with your students today, mm-hmm. to to share that. Is, is that the case? I do share it in my classes, yes. And um, just an opportunity to share with them that the Lord is continually working in my life. Let's transition um, just a little bit. Um, if that wasn't serious enough, you know, you have an um, maybe a near-death situation. Mm-hmm. Not long after that, you had another heartbreak uh, of sorts with the closing of Clearwater Christian College, where you mm-hmm. were currently working mm-hmm. at the time of your uh, medical procedure. You had taught there, worked there 25-plus years, so you're a long-standing uh, faculty member there. But then the school closes, and now you find yourself out of a job. Um, how traumatic was that situation for you when when that meeting took place, when you learned the news that uh, the school was closing. Exactly. We were blindsided by that news. And yet God is never surprised. His brow is never furled. And he knew exactly what was happening. And I had to trust him in a way I've never trusted him before. As a single person, as you mentioned, no job, no health insurance, um, no paycheck from that day on. And so I really needed to trust the Lord to meet my needs and provide for for a job. So I interviewed at many places um, and then interviewed here at Cedarville. And the Lord provided 
for me by giving me a job at Cedarville, for which I'm very grateful. Walk us through the interview itself, because I, if I remember right, um, it was obvious to you that this is where that he was leading you. Relive mm-hmm. your job interview experience and your thoughts before even getting the offer. Okay, well, when I was offered an interview here at Cedarville, when I got here, it was raining that whole time. It rained from beginning to end. I was here for one day. It was one of those very dark Ohio days. And um, also the building in which I interviewed where my department is housed is one of the older buildings on campus. And because it rained so much, I really didn't get outside of that building. And yet I had such a peace about that this is where God was leading me as soon as I started meeting people, as soon as I realized the ministry and um, I just felt like it was a really good fit for me. Now, you teach psychology um, at Cedarville. Uh, before that, uh, you know, you taught psychology at uh, Clearwater Christian. Um, I am sure over the course of your tenure, the discipline has changed. Mm-hmm. How has the discipline changed, and how are you incorporating that change in your classroom today? Mm-hmm. Certainly the discipline has changed. It has become more tolerant of certain behaviors, Well, I need to make my students be aware of that. But in my teaching and in my practice, the basis of what I do, the foundation is scripture and God never changes, nor does his word change. And so um, it doesn't shift like the times do. And so we certainly talk about it, but then we always look at it through um, scripture and kind of help the students weigh, you know, what is the world saying or what is our psychologist now saying? And let's now look and see what does scripture say about that? How do you inter- interrelate your faith with the learning that you're providing the students? How do you do it personally? I think it's such a privilege to integrate my faith with the students. There are many ways. Yes, in the classroom, um, I usually have a devotion every class period before I open class. Um, I also enjoy meeting students one-on-one for coffee or lunch and mentor them. And then as I go through the course content, when I realize there's something that we really need to talk about and compare what the text is, the textbook is saying, as opposed to what um, scripture is saying, then we need to just roll up our sleeves and dig into that and see what God's word is saying and, and look at the truth rather than just our textbook. You are starting your fifth year at Cedarville. It's hard to believe it's been five years. It is hard to believe. Yes. And it's been a great five years. You, in, mm-hmm. in, in the four years that you've been here, you've uh, established for yourself, or the Lord has established for you, a reputation of someone who really loves the Lord, who really cares for people and builds into their lives. So thank you for that. Um, My question to you is, what motivates you to really be intentional about caring for others so well? I think the bottom line would be Christ's love for me. How can I do anything less? And I, I, my heart just overflows with gratitude. And so Um, If I have opportunity to um, minister to someone else, to encourage them, um, I want to do that. I want to take advantage of those ministry moments, but I need to be purposeful because I can get very busy with my schedule and I want to carve out time with individuals, even if that means just pausing on the sidewalk or stopping in someone's office or talking to a student briefly just to try to encourage them. It's out of a heart of gratitude for what God has done for me. Mm. I have never seen you frazzled, frustrated. 
every time I've approached you on a sidewalk, walking from a building to a building, you've always smiled, you've been friendly, and it's just an encouragement to me. So I want to thank you publicly for that. Um, in relation to your ministry opportunities here, what are some ways you are building into the lives of students and faculty and staff? What, what ways are you ministering? Oftentimes, I add people to my prayer list, so that's not, you know, most people are not aware that I have them on my prayer list, but praying for people. I also um, like to write notes of encouragement, leave scripture verses, um, sometimes on people's desks um, for students. As I mentioned, it's the, hey, can we meet for coffee? Let's talk. Let's um, have a meal together. Come over to my place. I'm just living life alongside them and talking about spiritual things and how I can help them in their growth. Chris DeWitt is the real deal. I appreciate your love for others and um, hearing, obviously, I'm not surprised that it comes from a position of gratitude to what the Lord's done for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised at all. So um, I encourage you to continue, and I thank you for your ministry. You can't serve the way you do without Scripture being paramount or central to who you are. What are some of your favorite Bible verses? Mm -hmm. One that I memorized when I first arrived at Cedarville, because though Cedarville has been a very good fit for me, it was it was an emotional um, time in my life, um, leaving a place after I've been there 30 years, coming to this to Cedarville um, and not knowing one person. It, it was a difficult transition. And really the first year, truth be told, I cried many evenings. It it was an adjustment. Sure. And as I said, I have devotions in class, and I think the first year I cried through almost every devotion really? that I was reading to the students. It was just a tender time. But so that first year I was here, I memorized Romans 15, 13. Mm -hmm. That says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So as I am trusting him, he fills me with joy, he fills me with hope, and he gives me peace. And that's what I especially needed that that first, sure. that first year. And then a couple other verses that I really needed to cling to going through this difficult transition, as well as the heart issue, was Isaiah 41.10 and 13 that says, Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. So just remembering that he will strengthen, help, and uphold me. But I love verse 13. I guess I like the mental imagery when I think about verse 13. It says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying, Fear not, I will help you. And I think of a father holding a child's hand mm -hmm. and what security there is in that. And that's exactly what God does for each of us. He does it, and uh, sometimes we don't even realize he's doing it. Mm -hmm. So as you go about your daily experiences here at Cedarville, what do you see at Cedarville that brings you hope and joy? What do you see happening here that really gets you excited? 10 a.m., Monday through Friday, chapel. Yeah. Uh, that gets me so excited. A couple of other things, um, fall Bible conference, <laughs> I had the front row seat to watch the Holy Spirit work in lives of students, work in my own life, and bring about change for his glory and for our good. I mean, there's no better place to be than that. And 
some other things, just uh, I, I love the students. Um, you say that I have opportunity to build into their life, but they also minister to me, good and point. I appreciate that. Yeah, good point. How, how do they do that? They encourage me, especially that first year. They knew it was a difficult year for me. I mean, I'm standing in front of a class, and the tears are rolling down my face, and I would get encouraging notes or um, encouraging words as they're leaving class, and that continues through even today. Several students um, expressed appreciation, so they're they're very respectful and very appreciative. I think many times uh, today's college students um, are stereotyped as um, not caring, um, self-centered, etc. Uh, do you see that among the Cedarville students? I do not. They're very selfless. They've taught me a lot about what it means to serve. Um, also, in chapel, they've taught me what it means to worship. Um, I've really never experienced corporate worship like our student body worships. And um, it's just wonderful to see them, their hearts turn toward Christ and all of us corporately worshiping one Lord. Now, I understand Cedarville is, at least in my impression, significantly larger than what Clearwater right. Christian was. Right. Have you ever, had you ever seen a chapel experience like you see regularly here at Cedarville? No, no. What sets it apart? I, I would say the worship at the beginning, yeah. and um, and it's rare that you don't see students taking notes. Like when I where I sit in chapel, I can glance across the crowd, and most every student has a notebook out taking notes, and and it's not just for show. They want to learn, and they want the Lord to um, grow them. I know in my uh, tenure in higher education which spans about the same length as you, around 30 years. And I've been at um, six different institutions. I've never seen a school uh, like Cedarville where mm -hmm. it's authentic, it's genuine. Mm -hmm. The students, the faculty, staff, they do care about each other and love on each other. And uh, it's all because of what Christ has done in our lives. It's really refreshing. Exactly. It's a great place to be. It is. You're a sought-after uh, conference speaker. And this past summer, if I have the story correct, you spoke at a conference in the United Kingdom. I did. What was that conference about, um, and how did that impact you? Sure. Um, the conference was through Rain Ministries, which is um, an organization that works with young people during their gap year to train them for ministry and mission with youth. Um, but the conference, what I, the topic of what I spoke on was getting to the heart of the matter and just um, teaching them about depression, anxiety, forgiveness, grief, those type of topics um, from a biblical perspective so that they could handle, they could have some tools, if you will, in their toolbox for um, when they are discipling young people. Um, Rain Ministries is actually um, has two, three Cedarville grads um, working there. That's how I heard about it. And um, I think the experience itself, what really spoke to me was watching these individuals, not the youth, but the staff work so tirelessly. Um, and they also had such a, a passion for what they were doing. And it, it just stirred my heart that sometimes making me feel like I don't do enough. I need to do more. Um, and so it, it was a great experience for me. Why do you... Um... I agreed to be a conference speaker so frequently. 
What's the joy there? Just the service? Oh, it's it's not the speaking part because I get very nervous. You said you've never seen me frazzled, but you didn't see me before I walked in your office. <laughs> um, it's just serving others. And the opp- if the Lord gives me the opportunity, um, if he has gifted me in that area, then I want to take advantage of it if, if I can. Well, thank you for your service. My last question for the podcast is a question I ask everybody. And so... Uh, what is your greatest memory or most memorable event from your time at Cedarville University? Mm-hmm. I think I alluded to a few things, chapel, which is every day, and fall Bible conference. Um, I also have been able to travel for the four years on global outreach mission trips. Where have you gone? I've The last three years, I've gone to Mexico, La Paz, Mexico, with students running a basketball camp um, for two weeks every summer. Um, but probably what... Um, sticks in my mind. Um, it goes back to chapel, but it's um, the students worshiping. And then um, a couple of years ago, Fall Bible Conference, when almost 100 students came to know Christ, um, that was just moved my heart. And it spoke to me that you never know a student coming to a Christian university. They might state that they know Christ, but then the Holy Spirit works in their life. And to see that many people come to know Christ was a great experience. Do you get the opportunity then to uh, maybe disciple any of these students? Oh, yes. Um, I wouldn't miss Fall Bible Conference, so I'm there every night, and I enjoy the opportunity to meet with students as they go forward. We don't have invitations during chapel every day, of course, Um, but then I give them my contact information, and um, then we usually meet throughout the year, unless they have somebody else who they're already planning on meeting but I always follow up to make sure that they're being cared for. And if I can um, help them out, I sure want to do that. That's great. Chris, thanks for being my guest today. You're a joy to know and to work with. I really appreciate your spirit and who you are. And thanks for building into the lives of our students. Thank you for your kind words. It's a blessing to be here. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories, brought to you by Cedarville University. Be sure to rate and review Cedarville Stories on your favorite podcast provider and share with friends. You can also follow Cedarville University on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thank you to Logan Hayes for producing today's episode, Clem Boyd and Sarah Gump for marketing the podcast, and most importantly, you, the listener, for joining us today. Come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.